You're listening to Shot Callers with Kyle Branding and Joe Micucci, part of the 48 Minutes Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to this week's edition of Shot Callers on the 48 Minutes Basketball Network. My name is Joe Micucci. With me, as always, is my good buddy, Kyle Brandon. And Kyle, we've got, we've got a guest with us this week, huh? We do. The Kings have been in the news quite a bit. Just had a matchup against my Pistons. So had to reach out to good buddy Jordan and get him on here so we could talk a bit about some, uh, some trade stuff that might be going down um, with his Kings, my Pistons, and your Pacers. And, uh, yeah, just kind of chat with him. When we uploaded our Kings episode, he uh, he replied and was like, you know, I could come on. So glad to have him on. Jordan, welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Excited yeah. to be here. Am I the only Kings fan you guys know? No, no. I, t- dude, I listen to, like, the Kings Pulse. Uh, I like well, I mean, I mean, like, Richard. Pers- like person- oh. personal. Oh, yeah, oh, definitely, per- definitely, definitely personal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. You know, Richard. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Heck yeah. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. <laughs> thanks for being on this week. And uh, as always, we always do a little segment to start the show called Love to See It, Hate to See It. And Jordan's going to be joining us for that this week as well as Shot Car of the Week. But Kyle, let's go ahead and kick things off. What you got for Love to See It this week? Yeah, my Love to See It has got to be the uh, fringe MVPs acting like MVP candidates. I'm talking about Joel Embiid. I'm talking about Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic. All of them the other night putting up over 40 points. Joel Embiid has a 50-piece. Uh, Jokic had a 49-point uh, outing, and then Luka had that 40-point triple-double. And it kind of seemed like the MVP race was a, a two-person race between Curry and Giannis. And it's nice to kind of see those guys who were in the mix uh, at some point in the season or in the preseason. It's nice to see those guys pop back up and and widen that race, especially with KD going going down for a few weeks. Um, it's just it's always good when the when like the MVP conversation and landscape and and all the talent kind of shines. So uh, you you love to see MVPs acting like MVPs. I feel like with uh, Lonzo going down in Chicago, Demar could once again slide into that conversation again. I know he was kind of mm. climbing up the MVP ladder a few weeks ago, and the Bulls took a little dip of their own, but. I feel like that's another guy that you could see in that little conversation as well. Yeah, and Ja as well. Oh yeah, Ja. Draymond said that Ja could uh, could be in that conversation. Yeah, so. if 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 Chicago keeps their positioning in the East, I don't know how you don't look at Demar Derozan because he's been insane for a good chunk yeah. of the season. Yes, we've been we've yeah. been big fans of the Demar Revenge Tour on this yeah. pod. Yeah, I. Uh, on, and on uh, Benchmop, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely over there. I I sold myself on DeMar before the beginning of the season because I thought the Pistons were going to get him because the Dwayne Casey connection. <laughs> and then, the, like, there was, like, two days where it was big on Twitter. And so I kind of just, like, and the same thing I did with Drummond, right, where I just, like, kind of mentally trained myself and then sold myself on it. And then eventually I actually believed it. And so going into the season, I was, like, big on, uh, on DeRozan and – yeah, he's been he's been excellent. But. All right, uh, Jordan, what you got? What do you what do you love to see? <laughs> All right, my my love to see it. I'm I'm kind of in a in a simmering Kings centric rage 
that's not real, you know, just simmering below the surface. It's kind of been the same for 15 years. So love to see it. <laughs> Last night, the Kings blowing, I think, a 10-point lead to your Detroit Pistons mm. in, I think, the last two minutes. Last two uh, and a half. Who's two counting? Two minutes. But, yeah, two and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you love to see it because this team just keeps showing yeah. you who they are no matter what the rhetoric is from the front office, from the coaching staff. This team continuously shows you who they really are, and that is a bad basketball team. They are bad at basketball. They're bad at winning games. And so hopefully, um, yeah, you know, this was just another – this was back-to-back losses to the Rockets and the Pistons, so that's – so that's not great, but you know what? Maybe this gets the tank rolling. They have a brutal stretch coming up, um, road trip. So uh, gas up that tank, baby. It's it's really tough to see, but man, when you check Tankathon that next morning, you do love to see it, right? Oh, I limit I limit myself to one sim a day, and I'm, you know those sims listen, where I jump in. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. Last last year, I had to like ask my wife to do her sim for the day because i already did mine i'm the same way it's one it's it, only one it got to the point it got to the point like the two weeks leading up to the draft lottery kyle would be going around like our discord calls like hey can you go to this website and, and roll it for me i just it just one <laughs> just one i've already done my one <laughs> he'd have like five people rolling for him a day it, it paid off though it did he's pay playing off. he's playing craps and having you blow on his dice basically <laughs> basically yeah yeah all right well i guess that leaves me for the last uh love to see it on the week and i I might i think i'm gonna shock some people with this one because we love nothing more on this show than to dog this current iteration of the los angeles lakers uh (laughs) i don't think we've said a single positive thing about them all season so far (laughs) and i'm gonna change that tonight in a sense um solely because uh what i love to see was lebron just shutting down the media last night when they were trying to bait him into saying something controversial regarding Vogel benching Westbrook during the loss to my Pacers, getting a rare win since Christmas. So that was nice. I I guess I kind of love to see that too. But I just thought that was a classy move by LeBron. Um, He's never been one to do shit like that anyway. But, you know, it's uh, especially with how frustrating things are with that team, you do love to see him not, throwing anybody under the rug and and not taking taking the bait yeah uh, be- i behind the scenes though right like <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh listen, yeah. like, i ain't praising him behind the scenes <laughs> yeah yeah for sure he's getting vogel fired like today like by the uh, end of this recording i don't know how you have a report that comes out that says oh vogel's coaching for his job but he'll stay the coach today like <laughs> how, like how many more games how many yeah. more losses like, yeah, like it, the next loss i mean it's insane yeah it, it felt like the naggy the matt naggy thing and for the bears where they were like <laughs> he's gonna get fired after this game this week and it was like oh man just just let him go just, just don't do it to him that seems right yeah, I mean, it was similar to, like, the Kings earlier in the season when they're basically were like, I don't know, Luke Walton might be in the hot seat. And then they get their ass beat by, I don't remember who it was, who finally did him in, but, you know, one more <laughs> loss, and that was it. <laughs> and it's That's... just like, oh, yeah, like, so, I mean, this feels like the same thing. Like, uh, Vogel's gone. Yeah. And it's going to be LeBron's going to be the first player coach in how many years? 
I would I would love to see Fizdale as their coach, honestly. Yeah. I don't is he on I mean, a, is he on a is he on the bench? I don't think so. Is he on someone's bench? No, I don't I don't I don't know if he's doing anything at all. He was in Memphis and then he went to New York. And then it's kind of been vibing as far as I know. What is he up to? I think he was in uh he was in Miami, wasn't he? No, he is a, he is on their bench. He's on the Lakers bench. I just don't know. Oh, there you yeah. go. There you go. Look at that. Give Fizz a chance. Please. At least they like yeah. him. So, yeah. yeah. But it's also not uh, Frank Vogel's responsibility to like get people to try on defense. Like these people, you know what I mean? Like everyone on that team has been to like 10 All-Stars and yeah. like everyone's been to like a championship and like I, they're not college kids. You know what I mean? You don't have to tell like LeBron, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, Russell Westbrook. You don't have to tell those guys to try. Like, if they're not trying, that's on them. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. more of a hate. We're getting into hate to see it territory though. So let's. I'm a, I know. I'm a real. I'm a real it. I'm a real it in. All We're right. gonna keep it positive for for just this one moment. But yes. let's shift into hate to see it. Kyle, what right. is your hate to see it of on the week? My hate to see it is Bull Bull's entire career. It's it's just his entire career. Pour one out, honestly. Smoking the Bull Bull pack tonight, because uh, I think one might say smoking think, the Bull 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 Bull. There you are. Uh, I think we might have seen the last of Bull Bull. He started out in like when he was going into college. He was a top five recruit in that class with Zion, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish. All those guys got drafted in the top ten. Everyone remembers Bobol uh, falling to the middle of the second round. It was like one of the biggest stories of that draft. He signs a two-way contract with the Nuggets, which is kind of shocking, almost embarrassing for a player's caliber, plays in the G League. Uh, only found the court 50 times in three seasons. And then he got traded for guys like Rodney Magruder, which is really, really embarrassing. And, uh, and then he got traded to Boston. And really, the only reason he was traded, it, in my opinion, was for the $3 million in cap space and for the $6 million trade exception. I mean, he's out for 10 weeks. Um, he probably isn't going to see the court by the end of the season. So, um, yeah, I think his career is basically over. So you hate to see, you hate to see the, uh, the potential fun that was Bowl Bowl. I will never forget that draft night seeing Bull Bull in the second round and seeing the Kings with two second round picks and being like, oh my God, he's right there. Just take him. Just take him. Like, why not take him? Yeah. It's a second yeah. round pick. Just take him. And then they didn't. Yeah. So. But yeah, when the Pistons just, when the Pistons just yeah. traded for him, I thought, I mean, I'd rather have him than Rodney Magruder. <laughs> were, I mean, you were. Yeah. I'm not gonna say full blown stoked because that would that'd be doing. Yeah, the, yeah. No. But like you were, you were like, hey, this is. Yeah. That's Bull what bad Bull, teams do, right? That's yeah. what bad teams do is they take high upside guys, a top five guy in a recruiting class like that, right? Yeah. And okay, fucking Rodney Magruder, I don't care. So yeah, I was, I was for it, but uh, but like. Did I think he was gonna play? No, I mean he's he'd probably be buried behind like Luca Garza on the depth chart. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's. I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope that he finds he gets on a bad team and then gets some minutes and then just kind of like shows what he can do at some point in his career. Yeah, 
I mean, what they're paying Al Horford like twenty-seven million dollars. I don't even know. That seems a mess. Listen, Brad Stevens knows what he's doing, guys. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that that's my hate to see it. That's it. Uh, Jordan, what you got? Um. Yeah, so my hate to see it is, can we just agree that uh, this 10th seed is one of the dumbest things they've ever, ever come up with? And it's literally just uh, rewarding bad behavior for all these teams that are not good. And just listening to this, listening to everything that comes out about, again, I'm going to talk about Sacramento Kings because, again, simmering rage. Um, Yeah. There's always been this rhetoric from the front office talking about how, like, we want to make the playoffs. And then, you know, as they get closer, it's like, okay, we've got to make the 10th seed. And then, you know, kind of make the playoffs. And it's just like, if you're shooting for the 10th seed, you are not good. You're not good at basketball, and you need to figure figure some shit out. And so, even for everyone involved, like, I mean, like, even, the, you know, the Lakers. Like, LeBron, I remember LeBron last year when he realized his team wasn't very good. <laughs> And, you know, he was like, you know what, the 10 seed's stupid. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. And, 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 and I agree. I agree with him now. I didn't at the time because I thought it was funny. But now I do agree that all these teams that are just trying to fight to just get a sniff of the playoffs, and it's, it's brutal. I don't understand it. It was a cute attempt to try and get Zion into the bubble, but <laughs> I think that it served its purpose already and that it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because it is, it does feel sad. It does feel kind of sad that the Kings are like, we're only a game and a half out of the playoffs to get into the playoff. And it, uh, it's just a carrot to dangle to, for bad teams. They're closer to the bottom of the standings than they are to any kind of meaningful like playoff. Uh, yeah. Even like, like, like the eighth seed. And it's just crazy. So, I, yeah. Hate it. Should, Hate it. Should, <laughs> Like, again, Sacramento, a game and a half out of the 10th seed. Should Sacramento, at the end of the season, have a chance to compete for the title? No. No, they shouldn't. No, of course not. But would it make Jordan's heart happy? Uh, I mean, compete is, you know, that's just <laughs> like, like they're there. Like, they got invited to the party, but no one's going to dance with them. Yeah. <laughs> It's fair. Like, it's fair. It's just team, like, yeah, you're there now, you know. See ya. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Um. So, no, like, I, I want my team to be competent and good. Like, even if it's the eighth seed, you know, and but they're still, like, a competent, you know, above 500 team. I'm fine with that. Uh, team's 11 games below 500. Like, I don't know how you look at that and think that's any kind of acceptable. Mm. Yeah. Hey, but I... great news. You know, they're pushing for the midseason tournament now, too, so. Yeah, I'm on board for that. I'm on board. All right, Joe. Joe, what you got? What do you hate to see? My hate to see it this week uh, is uh, it's the Utah Jazz. Being really honest Mm. with you, losers of six of their last seven, and it's not like they've been losing to quality opponents. They lost to Houston, lost to your Pistons, my Pacers, the Lakers, uh, and. It's not it's not pretty, man. Uh, they're getting outscored 114 to 108 on average in those games. Donovan Mitchell's playing fine. Conley's playing not fine. I know they missed Gobert for five games due to COVID, but you know he comes back, and in the second game back, Russ sent him to the morgue with that dunk. 
literally the only highlight of Russell Westbrook's season came on Rudy Gobert. And I'm sure we're still going to find a way to get that guy the Defensive Player of the Year award because voters. But, uh, yeah, this team, it, it there's slumps, and then there's just head scratchers, and this is one of those for me. I, I don't understand how, uh, even without Rudy Gobert, you suck that much over that consistently of a period of time to that level of uh, opponent they're having. So, yeah, it, it, it's Utah for me this week. Yeah, it doesn't get much better for their next five games are against Golden State, Phoenix, Phoenix, and Memphis. So you better uh, better shape up and better shape up quick because that, uh, that six-game slump that you were talking about could, could easily turn into uh, a long stretch that could hurt them when it comes to, like, seeding for the playoffs later in the season. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and I mean, the lone win they did have was against Denver, but... Again, it, I just that's those are alarming losses uh, to mm-hmm. a team that is you know they went all in on running it back this season after what happened against Los Angeles in the uh, second round last year. So it, not looking too great out in Salt Lake City. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with putting them on the hate to see it. Yeah, that's all I got for for hate to see it, boys. I think it's time we finally uh, get to the real reason we're together tonight. Uh, with Kyle being a uh, Pistons fan, Jordan, you being a Kings fan, and me being a Pacers fan, uh, our teams are in the middle of the trade deadline talks so far. A, a lot of rumors around all of our teams, and uh, it's time to have a nice little meeting of the minds. Kyle, where, where do you think we head first with this? I, I Jordan's our guest. I'd like to, uh, to kind of get into this Kings stuff here. Yes, sir. Um, so- uh, first... I guess first, right? So we had that episode a um, few weeks back, maybe it was a month back or so, and we talked about um, Alvin Gentry taking over as a new head coach. He had that 25-point loss to the Grizzlies where he was quoted and saying, it was the most disappointed I've been in 34 years, which is borderline <laughs> depressing. And then uh, he lost to Dallas without a bunch of their stars and said, I quote, I would, I would be home drinking after the loss. So um, that's not great from, like, just a, a, you know, mentally stable, healthy person. So just wondering, what do you think about Alvin Gentry? <laughs> How's that going? Uh, I will say the Alvin Gentry has had some terrific post-game press conferences. He's had some <laughs> terrific lines. I think you forgot the one where he apologized to the fans after the Kings got blown out by, I think, 20, 20 25, 30 points. <laughs> He went out and said, first of all, I want to apologize to our fans, which is, that was something. Uh, yeah, then he had, like you said, I'll be home drinking. That was a great, great yeah. one. And then, yeah, the most disappointed I've been. Yeah, for me, it's been really hard to evaluate coaches in Sacramento because I think the general consensus is that Luke Walton was not a very good coach. I think once it was clear that Alvin Gentry was going to be the interim head coach, I don't think there was very much excitement about that either because I think we've seen his track record a little bit. Had some really good seasons in Phoenix, but kind of fizzled out everywhere else he's been. Um, I don't have any definitive statements about Alvin Gentry because this team is just a mess and it is clear that they are content getting all their coaches fired and nothing really changes. So Mm. I, I think the interesting thing about Alvin Gentry 
he's really been willing to, I mean, COVID's played a part in this as well, but really expand the rotations as well. Try to see who can bring some energy at any given point. You've seen, even before COVID, you saw some more minutes for players like Damian Jones, Chimezi Metu, guys who can just go in there and just provide a little energy. But it's tough to evaluate coaches with this roster. I'm I'm really curious about the rotation. Bagley, he's like not really starting a lot. Like he uh in four years he started sixty five games total. And he's only played hundred and forty four games in those. Right. I, I, I remember his agent calling the Kings a case study in mismanagement, which I'm sure you appreciated. Uh last season he started forty two of the forty three games. This season mm-hmm. it's it's just been a handful. Of starts what's I mean like what's different with the rotation you know the Bagley thing is really interesting actually um before the season Luke Wallen had basically told Marvin Bagley and I think this contributed to that statement from his agent that he was going to be out of the rotation just not even not that he wasn't starting he was just out of the rotation <laughs> and yeah and so obviously that didn't sit well he didn't play a lot early in the season he did not play a lot over Luke Wallen towards the end he came in a little bit started getting more minutes um, the Bagley thing's weird. Once Gentry took over, he again wasn't starting, but he was seeing more floor time. And then the last few games, I think, as Alvin Gentry's noticed that this team has a massive rebounding issue, he's willing to play bigger and start Marvin Bagley next to Rashawn Holmes or um, Damian Jones or whoever's playing center that night. The Bagley thing, it's it's tough because he's missed so much time with injuries, and you at times you see that like, oh, this kid can be pretty good. Early in the season, last season, it really seemed like he was having the same encore issues defensively, kind of a ball stopper on offense. Uh, over the last few games or so, since he's been starting, he's been pretty good. He's been playing, he had a pretty good game last night. Um, his game before he missed, I think, a couple games, maybe one game with a shoulder issue, had probably his best game of the season, like 20 and 13 against the Rockets. Again, the Rockets, kind of whatever. Um, but really, they're just killing time until he's until he's traded, until he's uh, included in a bigger deal or just sent off on his way. Yeah. Yeah. I My big question is kind of what's the goal for the Kings this season? Because Marvin Bagley, I think for like a rebuilding team, I think some teams will target him, um, you know, if, if the price is right. And, and he might be packaged in with some other stuff. But I can't tell if they're trying to get rid of their young guys because I also hear um, stuff like, Oh, what if we traded Davion Mitchell and some other stuff? Mm-hmm. Or, but then it's also like, what if we traded Buddy Heald? He's twenty nine. Like, are are they trying to get younger? Are they trying to get older? What do you think is kind of the goal of this deadline? Well, I think their goal is that they're trying to get better, and I don't think they care exactly, you know, who's included in that. I think you've seen players like Halliburton and Fox names floated out there for bigger deals for players like Ben Simmons or Sabonis. I'm pretty confident neither of those players will be traded. I think the Kings have said that they want to build around that backcourt. You know, it's going to be Fox. It's going to be Halliburton and figure out the rest. Uh, The problem with this team, and, you know, you've talked about these trades, you know, this has been something since Monty McNair took over for Vlade. He's talked about how, you know, he's going to be aggressive. They want to be aggressive to try to improve the roster. Um, They drafted Davion Mitchell. You know, he's a so far, he's been a pretty decent bench player, had some struggles, but trade is going to be the way that they get better. Um, the problem is that, in my opinion, that they have such a 
they don't really have an abundance of attractive assets roster wise. You know, they have Buddy Heald who's really struggled this year. Marvin Bagley, who in my opinion is more valuable as an eleven million dollar expiring contract. Mm. And then their most their most uh probably the most attractive asset as far as usefulness, in my opinion, is Harrison Barnes, who's been pretty good this year and teams yeah. always need wings, especially a guy who's shooting over forty percent from three. Uh so that's gonna be the real trick is they're just trying to get better. I don't think they care how they do it. I think that the way this season has fallen so hard on its face they're willing to take a big swing but i think they're far enough out of contention now in my opinion where i think they'll try to be a bit more measured as far as who they're including in deals yeah and i'm, yeah. I'm glad you uh brought up the the reports of how they've kind of shifted away from deer and fox being traded and now they want to build around deer and fox and i, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that because when we talked about the king's uh back a couple months ago when we were kind of doing our what's their plan kyle and i kind of looked into how that three guard set of fox halliburton and davion mitchell were performing kind of early on in this season just in duos um out of that combination of guards because that's that is a crowded backcourt are do you want to see them kind of play more in a small scenario with those three or is there a duo out of those three like Fox, Halliburton, Halliburton, Mitchell, Mitchell, Fox. Like, is there one that you prefer that you'd like to see them actually build around? Yeah, well, just the lineup in general. Um, the single small ball three guard lineup was actually something that when they draft, like, I mean, drafting Davion Mitchell, I think, surprised the entire Kings fan base. It was truly a shocking pick. You already had two point guards. Now you're adding Davion Mitchell to this. Uh, Davion Mitchell brings something that I don't think the Kings had on this roster, and that is an absolute psychopath on defense. Who yes. I've never seen. I have never seen a player in Sacramento uh, play on-ball defense like he does. It's pretty incredible. And I think Kings fans, once they you know saw him in summer league, saw him in the preseason, they were ready to see a three-guard lineup with Fox, Halliburton, and Mitchell. And that's you know pretty undersized, but it is fast. It has a ton of scoring potential. Um, we have not seen a lot of that this season. Um, Davion's been, he started a couple games, I think, maybe one game when there was an injury, but he's been on the bench. Um, he has not played a lot of minutes with those two, and it's mostly just been a Fox and Halliburton when they've both been healthy backcourt. Uh, in my opinion, I think that's the ideal backcourt. I think early on, you, such as the Kings struggled, you started hearing some skepticism about whether Fox and Halliburton are even good together. Um, I think their skill set wise, I think they're perfect. I think they should absolutely try to keep that together if they can, if that's the route they want to choose. Halliburton's, you know, an elite three point shooter, an elite playmaker. Fox is a speed demon, absolute athletic freak. And I think they really should be able to play, play together well. Davion's going to be the wild card, especially if they do at some point decide that Fox or Halliburton might be available. I'm not sure if Davion's going to, going to be the answer uh, in the starting lineup with those three at some point. Um, and I think they moved away from that small ball lineup, especially because they could not rebound the basketball for the life of them. So that's the thing that's kind of taken the back burner. Why you've seen more minutes from players like Chemezi Metu, Damian Jones, um, starting Marvin Bagley. Yeah. So it, it's, it's interesting. I think, um, I don't know. I think we the team as a, as a whole has struggled so much. We have not been able to see enough of that three guard lineup to try to see what it would really look like. 
Yeah, and we, we talked about that last uh, last episode that we talked about the Kings was how they were so bad at rebounding. And yeah. a lot of their players, like, play really well in transition. Like, De'Aaron Fox, like, mm-hmm. he is obviously best in transition. But, like, you can't get the transition going if you're not rebounding the ball so you can push it. And, mm-hmm. like, also if you're not getting defensive stops to where you can, like, start going the other way. And so the way that De'Aaron Fox yeah. plays best – uh, really, the rest of his team around him is not set up for that, so it's it's just kind of this weird, this weird fit. One hundred percent, yeah. the uh, The defensive rebounding thing to me is it's so bizarre. Like, because like I said, they're not a big team, but you still mm-hmm. have guys like you know Rashawn Holmes. You still have Marvin Bagley. Harrison Barnes has been a pretty good rebounder, um, but that is, I think they're in the bottom. I feel like they're in the bottom five. I think in defensive rebounding. Mm. And it really, like you said, it has really uh, hurt their ability to get on run, which is, you know, just going back to Alvin Gentry, something he absolutely stressed. He stressed when he took over the team that we need to be the fastest team in the league. Um, Monty McNair has even alluded to that at times. And it's very much just been, well, get a rebound, get a defensive stop. Yeah. Hasn't worked out that way. And he was the fastest team in the league when he was in, uh, when he was in New Orleans. So that, I mean, they played... Yep. They played with the top yeah. pace. Um, when I was taking a look at this roster and kind of all the moving pieces and just putting everything together, for me, a best-case scenario for the Kings, and tell me what you would change about this this best-case scenario. Best-case scenario for the Kings. They start next season with De'Aaron Fox, Halliburton, a top-five pick, and then they take whatever's left, and they get, go after one more new player this deadline yeah i think that's their goal um i i'm at the point where i do not care um who is still on this roster past Mm -hmm. this trade deadline if there's a measured approach to get better i love halliburton i love fox if it had my choice i would keep both of them i would want them to be that backcourt of the future um, but now, you know, as you started to hear Fox's name come up in trade rumors, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, it's not surprising and I'm not against it. Um, I'm a big draft guy, especially if you're talking about a top five pick. Um, I would love to add someone from this draft, whether it's if they get in the top three, getting someone like uh, Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, whoever it could be, just to improve the talent level. I think the flip side of that is the King's most attractive asset by far is their draft picks. That's going to be how they swing big deals if they do get a big deal. If they, you know, top one, top three protect a pick, whatever it might be, and try to include that in trade for Sabonis, Ben Simmons, John Collins, whoever, you know, it might be. Um, so, I mean, I don't hate I don't hate the idea that you just threw out there at all. I mean, that'd be the way I would try to go. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to keep all those pieces like that you mentioned and still acquiring uh, a big-name player to improve their roster. So the way to do it would be to look at a team like uh, like Indy, for example, to go to mm-hmm. the Pacers and say, hey, we have these guys available. We have, uh, you know, Buddy Heald. We have Davion Mitchell. Like, do those two work for Miles Turner? <sighs> I am scared of Miles Turner now. Uh, okay. big man with big man with foot injuries is kind of concerning but he i think at this point he is a buy low candidate you said davion mitchell and you said 
and Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald. Or, and Buddy or, hey, Dave, I mean, or Davion Mitchell and Harrison Barnes. Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely consider that. Um, you know, there's that thing that was floated out earlier that, like, it's total bullshit. But, like, Indiana was looking for multiple first-round picks or something for Miles Turner. Yeah, that's not happening, especially now. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something I would consider. I mean, that would be a massive defensive upgrade that this team just desperately needs, you know, rim protection. Yeah. And that kind of yeah. that kind of does fall into what I what I wanted to ask you because the Kings and the Pacers they they've been linked in talks about both Sabonis and Turner and kind of every time I see tweets about one or the other, the mentions are about as split as indie fans are about Sabonis and mm-hmm. Turner, whether which one you would rather have. So out of the two, if a move were made, it, which of the players would you prefer to have on the Kings, Jordan? Oh, it's um, it's a bonus, and it's not close. I like Miles Turner a really? lot. I think that is the measured approach. That is the guy who fills obvious needs on the team. Shot blocking, spacing from the forward center position. Um, I think he is has more offensive skill than he's been able to show in Indiana. And I think he's kind of alluded to that too. Um, but Sabonis is a two-time all-star. That dude is an unreal passer um, from the forward position. You know, he can shoot the ball a little bit. You know, he's, you know, a walking 20 and 12 guy. Uh, it's Sabonis. He just, he represents the massive talent upgrade that I think this roster needs. That's just become apparent in this season. What would, uh, is there any any trade offers for Sabonis that you think are realistic from the Kings? Well, if if we're uh, if we're going to believe what they've said recently, I think James Ham from the Kings beat basically said that the Kings don't really have any interest in offering De'Aaron Fox in a Sabonis and um, Ben Simmons trade. I would everyone else is fair game, I guess outside of Halliburton. I mean, I would offer up anyone and everyone. I would do multiple first round picks. I would throw Davion Mitchell in there. And I don't know if Indiana interested in anyone else on the roster. If they want to take a shot on Marvin Bagley or, you know, if they need Buddy Hill to make the money work. Um, I imagine Indiana at this point is just interested in potentially someone like Davion Mitchell and draft picks. Yeah. I don't know your thoughts on that, RJ. Yeah, that, that was kind of something I, I figured we, we were going to get into. Uh, I think I, I jokingly said this because I remember, Kyle, you loved – this trade to Jordan and I the other night because it came across. Uh, I think Zach Noble is the one who quote retweeted it, but mm-hmm. the trade was something like the Kings get Jeremy Lamb, DeMontis Sabonis, and Karis LeVert, while the Pacers get Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and, and two first round picks. Um, I misread that at the time I read it. I thought it was just one first round pick, and I liked it then. Um, but I think something like that is what the Pacers are looking out of because my response to that was like. I liked it solely because, you know, you get Bagley as the expiring and then Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes are two very tradable contracts that you can do more with. And you're somehow ending up with some draft picks. I I think that's kind of what Kevin Pritchard is going to look for in the trade market. Mm -hmm. That price might be a bit steep. um, But uh, at the same time, you you are getting rid of, you're giving up Karis LeVert and Jeremy Lamb in that scenario. But I'm sure we'll get a little deeper on the Pacers here in a little bit but yeah i'd say something where it's tradable contracts um maybe an upside guy like davion mitchell i 
that would be crazy if they <laughs> they go after Davion Mitchell. You're now looking at a potential future backcourt of Davion Mitchell and Qu- Chris Duarte, the two old guys of the draft, but the two crazy defenders ah. of the draft as well. So yep. Yep. that would uh, that would be something to uh, to definitely watch. And I was high on Mitchell in the draft. I was actually hoping he would slide to the Pacers. So that that was a guy I was very high on in this draft. It's it'd be interesting. That's 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 for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is there Harrison Barnes, do you, do you see him moving pretty much no matter what with his situation, uh, where I believe he expires next season? Um, it seems like a lot of the guys like Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Grant, for example, kind of get traded with like a year and a half left. So it's not just that half year rental. It feels like there's no reason to keep Harrison Barnes. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the funniest, the funniest thing about that is that we had that same conversation last year when there was so much more reported interest in Harrison Barnes, and it was clear that the Kings weren't good. I think there were you know, talks about Boston being interested, offering a first-round pick. Mm. Um, I think there are some other teams as well. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, I think he's the most attractive, I guess, on-floor asset that the Kings have. I mean, he's a, he's been an elite three-point shooter this season. He's a pretty good rebounder. Um, he's just incredibly useful to almost any team that's looking to compete. I would not put it past this team to keep Harrison Barnes past this trade deadline. I think it would be crazy mm-hmm. to. I don't understand what they're holding on to with most of this roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would absolutely be shopping him hard, especially because I think he, at least if you're piecing out this roster, he could probably bring back the most. Yeah. And I could see a team like Atlanta or, you know, someone like that that really wants to push a little further in the playoff mix, um, making a trade for him. So, yeah, that, that's, that's one name I'll definitely be looking at. Um, I've, got, I've got one. I think if there's one more question I have mm-hmm. for the Kings, and Jordan, this is more open-ended than anything, mm-hmm. who is the ideal player that's or, or players that are on your short list of who you realistically would love to see the Kings target this trade deadline. If you, if you had to pick any, well, that are, you know, realistic. Are on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, honestly, for me, it's John Collins. Uh, I, you know, we've talked about a lot about Sabonis. We've talked about Ben Simmons. I think both of those, I mean, I, I love Sabonis. I think he's so good. <laughs> Ben Simmons is a wild card. He obviously is upside. It would, you know, be crazy, but I have no idea what is going on in his head. <laughs> um, but John Collins, if he's actually available, like it's been, you know, reported, would be an incredible guy for Sacramento. And I think like, you know, Kyle, you just mentioned Harrison Barnes is someone that Atlanta might be interested in. They just traded Cam Reddish. They had some space on the wing and Harrison Barnes would fit right in being a three point shooter. Um, so, I mean, if you could, you know, throw them Harrison Barnes, honestly, wherever they want. They want Buddy Heel, they want Harrison Barnes, and I don't know how many, you know, first-round pick uh, for John Collins. I mean, I'm doing that, and I think John Collins in Sacramento playing in the pick-and-roll with Terry Saliburn would be terrifying for other teams. So, I love John Make Collins. I love him. He's oh, good. He, yeah. He's, he's good. Yeah. Uh, Joe, I, I kind of want to get into the Pacers, um, wish list and, and dream scenario here. It seems like one goal they have 
is getting Duarte and Isaiah Jackson as much playing time as possible. Um, yes. At least that I think that's probably what's near the top of your wish list. Anything else you're looking for here? Do you just want to see the end of end of the two bigs or what are you looking for? Yeah, um so just as a general reminder uh before we get into it, Malcolm Brogdon cannot be traded this season. So, anybody listening to this that might tweet at us being like you didn't talk about Brogdon, he cannot be traded this season. It's the last time I'm going to say it this trade deadline season, but he cannot be traded. Um, but as far as goals, um, definitely, I think getting Isaiah Jackson more run has got to be a goal. Um, they traded, you know, they gave away Aaron Holiday, uh, who I know wasn't a crazy asset for this team, but they made a move on draft night to go get Isaiah Jackson. He's not really been given an opportunity to go prove himself. I'm actually very confused. Uh, hopefully he's in the rotation tonight, but... Uh, Sabonis and Turner are both out uh, against the Warriors tonight, so hopefully he does get some of that aforementioned playing time against them. Um, but I for, I honestly forget who wrote it recently uh, for pay, on the Pacers beat, but they you know they talked about how Isaiah Jackson is getting he's putting up numbers in the G League for Fort Wayne, the Pacers G League affiliate, and you know as much as that's a great experience a rookie can only learn so much from coaches and watching from the bench. you got to give him run. So I, I definitely would like to see the end of the two bigs. Um, it's actually funny. Uh, Steve and I went to the Pacers-Suns game on Friday night here in Indianapolis, and uh, in true Pacers fan fashion, there was a dude like two rows back from us heckling Miles Turner the whole game because the fan base hates him. Sure. <laughs> um, and as we're walking out, that kid stopped Steve and I. He was asking a bunch of guys. He's He's like, the answer's Trey Turner, right? And I literally looked the kid dead in the eye and said, no, the answer's Trey Sabonis. Um, and just walked away because I wasn't going to get into the argument with him. But my reasoning this whole time for why it needs to be Trey Sabonis is because, Jordan, you kind of talked about it. He's a two-time All-Star. He's going to yield you the most value on the trade market. Oh. Um, and as I talked about with what I think the Pacers are looking for, tradable contracts and draft picks, I don't think Miles Turner yields you that much. Um, and also, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Miles Turner guy. I, I just think he is more important to this team. He provides a defensive upside. Uh, Jordan, I, I, I agree to an extent about what Sabonis can do on the offensive end, but I, I got to say, man, I, I think he thinks I, – I actually am the opposite in that I think he thinks he can do more than what he is capable of doing. Uh, his turnover – he is so turnover-prone in the transition game when he tries to play point forward. Um, mm -hmm. The passing I is definitely – it's out of this world, but I, I think he is a little bit more of Nikola Jokic than he actually is. Um, so I, I, I'm I fine with the Pacers cashing in on those gaudy stat lines to get a higher return. Um, if they trade Turner, I'll be bummed, but I, I do think there is some – you know, it, there is something to be got there. I think the injury hurts his value a lot. Um, but I, I think, uh, you know – uh, this is kind of my last uh, last bit of faith I'm putting in Kevin Pritchard. I, I've kind of sworn up and down by him during his tenure, but uh, if he doesn't kind of do something this trade deadline to at least show that they want to invest in this in this talent and just admit defeat with this current core, then I don't know what to think of this franchise anymore, to be completely honest. Yeah. I, I am curious. You say that... Uh 
like Sabonis maybe thinks a little thinks a little more highly of himself than uh, than maybe he should. I worry I worry slightly about that with Miles Turner too. Some of the stuff he said totally fair. where he's called himself a unicorn and and um and the time that and I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he was talking about how like he was always about doing what's best for the team. And he's like, I just re- need to do what's best for myself, and that is what's best for the team. Kind of implying that, like, when I play good, the team is good. Um, and just so, like, I don't know. I think that there's been a few quotes that are borderline, um, like, problematic. And I think that's not necessarily his fault. I think that once they got rid of Paul George, it was kind of a weird time for the organization, and they kind of just had Miles Turner, so they were like. He's gonna be the guy, and uh, and so yeah, not totally his fault. And I do think that on the court he plugs into any system better than um, Sabonis, just because he doesn't really need the ball a ton, um, even if he wants it a lot more. But just floor spacing and defense is always valuable. Uh, we watch the playoffs every single year, and like Miles Turner is exactly what you look for every single year once it comes playoff time and then we forget about it when it's all-star voting time and <laughs> it's like but so bonus um and, that's, and so uh, i totally i totally get both sides of it um but if if they're close you i think you trade the guy that that gets the best return yeah, and that would be Sabonis. Yeah, and that's I mean that's really the main reason why I it, it's kind of like a strike while the iron's hot scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I would like to see him moved. I I also just again I think it would actually open up the offensive system a lot more for the Pacers if he was moved on from because I feel like he is a little bit of a vacuum when he is on the court. It, and I I've said this the entire time we've had him. I I still view him as a defensive liability. Um which a lot of people like to turn a blind eye to. He is not that great on defense. He is very foul prone. Um, and yeah, that's just, that's my thing. I, and and then Kyle, I know uh, you had a, a little question you wanted to ask. We were talking about Karis LeVert earlier. Mm, yeah. So I, I have a tough time kind of finding out like what his value is. I don't, I can't really tell if, if he's a positive asset or a negative asset at this point. Um, and so I guess like if, if you're a GM, right. And you're trying to sell me Karis LeVert, what's your pitch? What's, how are you selling Karis LeVert to me? Cause I really don't know. I really don't know how I feel about him. I, I totally, it's, it's definitely <laughs> a head scratcher. Um, cause the guy is still injury prone. Um, he's missed time off and on um really his entire career he, you know we all know about the atrocious injury he had back when he was in brooklyn then the cancer scare last year you feel for the guy in the sense that it's like man he just cannot catch a break with health um really i think the little bit of upside it's kind of almost similar to when the pacers made the move for victor oladipo from uh when they traded for him when he was with oklahoma city He's a guy that's about to enter what is considered his prime years. He's 26 right now. Um, he's got two years left on his contract, so kind of tradable um, in that sense. So you can get a guy where you maybe get him for 
two and a half more seasons. Maybe you get a bang for your buck. You're not linked to him long term. He can't put the ball in the bucket. On the flip side of that, he's very ball dominant and is a little more mid-range dominant. He's kind of a poor man's DeMar DeRozan that does not hit <laughs> at the consistency clip that DeMar does. Um, so that's that's maybe your selling point. I'm, I was sold for a second on Karras with the Pacers earlier this season and just I'm not so sure anymore. <laughs> but I, that's kind of my thing with him. Yeah, the Levert thing is interesting. And I think, like you mentioned, the injuries kind of throw a wrench into this whole situation about, like, what is someone actually willing to give up for him? Yeah. Uh, but like you said, I'm really glad you said DeMar DeRozan because the entire time in my head, I was just screaming, like, DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan, DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a mid-range bucket getter, but he absolutely gets buckets. And I think that's going to be valuable no matter who. So if you're a good team, I mean, I don't know what are some good teams that you think could use someone like Levert, even if they – are playing him, you know, 25, 26, 27 minutes off the bench um, just to come in and get buckets. Like you said, him being ball dominant, like I'm sure any team would be happy, uh, be happy to have them on the roster. Like, I mean, I still think someone is going to like, he, for some reason, not for some reason, I mean, he's a good player, but he seems to be like one of the players, which just, that seems to have some of the highest regard around the league that people are still committed that he's going to be some kind of, you know, he's one of the next stars, which, I don't think, but he's very good. Yeah. yeah I think, oh, go ahead, I Kyle. Think that based off that, I, I would say, like, if I'm trying to sell him, I'd say, look, the guy's 26. You know, some of these injuries were flukes. I don't know. Maybe not. But, uh, you know, look around the league. You got DeMar DeRozan. You got Devin Booker. It does a lot in the mid-range. I know that he's kind of known for some three-point shooting. But he does a lot of that same st- – I mean, we know that he loves Kobe, but he does a lot of that same kind of um, Kobe Bryant mid-range stuff as well. So I think you could look at, like, some of those guys and be like, hey, what if you added this dude? Um, what's Karis make? Maybe $15 mil a year? Uh, like he is – he's making – 17? 30, or this 30. year he's 16. Next year he's 17 and a half. And okay. in 22, 23. Or I'm sorry, this year he's making 17 and a half. Oh, I misread his contract. Uh, he actually has a year and a half left. So gotcha. that's that's actually that kind of ups the selling value there. He's an unrestricted free agent after next season. I forgot that we are in 21-22, not 2021. So he, and he's 27 now, so I screwed his age yeah. up there too because of uh, again, my own misreading. Yeah. So I, yeah. I've got a team I've got a team for you guys. What about someone like the Cavaliers? Mm. No no sexton. Uh, for the rest of the season, pairing him in the backcourt with Darius Garland. Like, I don't know what a package would look like, how much they'd be willing to give up, but I mean, Cavaliers just being randomly good this season. I mean, under contract for a couple more seasons. Yeah, I don't know if. Yeah. A final piece to kind of, if they wanted to really make somewhat of a serious playoff push. And what about like loose, loose rumors going around about the Pacers and Colin Sexton? So that that does make a bit of sense. Uh, be an interesting interdivisional trade for sure. Yeah, and they have guys to move in some bigger contracts, especially when you look at like Kevin Love, and I don't know, they have like a Coro which they could move, which would be maybe appealing for the Pacers. So uh, I could see a little little something there. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Going into going into next season, 
any uh, we already know that Brogdon is is there. Duarte's there. Hopefully we see some Isaiah Jackson. And then one yeah. of the bigs, is that is that pretty much the core that we're looking at? Yeah, I, I think uh that's the core. I'm really hoping that, you know, I know they're refusing to tank, but hopefully this team just keeps trying and keeps on losing while they're trying. And right now they're on pace to get a top ten pick for first time in like thirty something years. So you guys are at five right now. Yeah, I would be genuinely over the moon um especially and unfortunately i'm as most people know i'm not greatly well versed with the draft class until we get closer to draft time but listen if there's one thing indiana people love it's rooting for guys from the state of indiana that went to college there and that kid from purdue um jaden ivy jaden ivy that i mean that's a guy that that'd be right up pacers wheelhouse to draft and i don't think anybody would be too upset if they were there to snag him in the top five. So that's uh that's probably the the goal. Um TJ Warren, you know, I would love to see TJ Warren come back from injury. That'd be a nice goal. Um, but he's still just you know, showing up to the games, looking very comfy in his game day fits. I'll give him that. <laughs> but uh and he has expressed that he wants to stay in Indiana. because uh, I know I think he's an unrestric- unrestricted free agent this offseason and I don't think it'll be too hard to retain him because I don't know many teams that'll throw a bunch of money off of a guy that's missed the majority of the last two calendar years yeah. uh, from injury. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where the Pacers are at, I feel. So let's move on to your Pistons, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, it, the, fifth, the fifth pick is cute. The eighth yeah. pick, that's nice. Right now we're the second pick, okay? And we just got the first pick. <laughs> If you want to talk about how to lose, we do it. We do it great. Okay, we get we get these wins in there where I beat Jordan's team, which is enough to get me going for a few minutes. I beat Joe's team, which was enough to keep me going for an episode. Uh, you you beat the Bucks, you beat the Jazz, and you're Kate still had the, his Kate had his night against the Jazz last week, and you're still the second pick. It's just it's perfect. It's what Let you me, love to see. So, really, I think there's really only one big storyline regarding the Pistons. But before we get to it, I I just want to ask, just for the sake of of seeing where the landscape is, is Cade the only safe man on this roster, or is there any other piece that you would be, I wouldn't say completely gutted, but bummed if the Pistons moved on from? Yes, Sadiq Bey is definitely in that as well, Um, which... It's kind of scary to say because a report just came out that they offered Sadiq Bey and Jeremy Grant and Kelly Olenek and a first-round pick for Ben Simmons, Um, which, I mean, (laughs) Philly said no. All right, that's fine. I don't don't care how much you want to pay the guy to sit on your bench then. Um, I mean, Philly might think that that's not fair value. I'm not sure if I'm sold on it either. Um. But no, Sadiq Bey, I mean, he feels like he feels like another guy that um I kind of would I don't know. I feel like we'd have to carry him in there. I mean, he I, I think he unlocks a lot of stuff with Cade. Um he's like the perfect guy to put around him. And like last night, he had 30 points. You know, um in, in the win against Utah last week, he had 29 points. He's had other games where it's 
34, 32, um, 28. You know, he, he's got that ability to, to score 20-plus. Um, the best shooter on our team, which is really, really necessary, especially when you're one of the worst shooting teams. So, yeah, Sadiq Bey feels – I'll say Sadiq Bey is kind of untouchable at this point. I feel like Sadiq Bey is slowly – because obviously the Pistons are nowhere near this level yet, but he's reaching that level of borderline Chris Middleton where it's like when things kind of, if, if things pan out the way that you are hoping and I think a lot of us are viewing with the Pistons, like he's going to be that Sadiq Bey is good guy. Um, just kind of flies under the radar with the with the scoring that he, and, and just, just his all-around game in general. But um I definitely yeah. I can see why Sadiq would be the one the other one that you would want to keep. Um, yeah, and and at some point, like especially with a team like this, you have to build a young core. You know. Yeah. And, he, and he's twenty two years old. Um, that's with him playing like multiple years, obviously at Villanova. So he's still young, but he's got good experience. He's got good coaching behind him. Uh, first time at Villanova, and I mean in his. In his draft class uh, last year, he was probably the best shooter. And I just think he'll keep developing like that. And, and those guys are just valuable to have. For sure. So that leads into really the, the big one, which is the eventual Jeremy Grant trade that mm -hmm. I'm sure you're hoping does happen. Um, Kyle, what, is, what would you say is the dream haul for Jeremy Grant at this point? What, you know... What would you like to see the Pistons get in return, or what would you like to see the Pistons go after? Yeah, so I feel like I'm really realistic when it comes to this. Like, I don't think like Jeremy Grant for Ben Simmons, one for one swap, or I, like I'm not crazy with it. Uh, or I'm like, just give us um, it's a bonus for for Grant. We'll call it even. Um, <laughs> I, so my expectations might even seem low. But I'm looking at guys like, um, like Cam Reddish, who was just moved. He was a guy that we were we were looking at. Um, for me, the the number one guy would be Patrick Williams out of Chicago. Just really give Chicago everything to go in right now. Have your chance at it. Um, and then you get Patrick Williams, who um, Pistons GM was super high on in the draft. There was reports that came out. They were like, yeah, the Pistons, like, promised that they would take Patrick Williams if he was still there at seven and and like in their board it's like he wasn't even supposed to be a top 10 pick but I guess the Pistons love him um which the Bulls got on and good for them I mean Patrick Williams is really good so that would be best case scenario would be him uh but if not him like Rui Hachimura or Danny Ajva um guys like that I mean Zach Collins I don't I don't know what I'd have to do to get Zach Collins, but that would be like an absolute dream. Um, Zach Collins? Not, not John Collins. Okay. Zach Collins. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I was like, Kyle, no. please, I need you to elaborate. No, no. no. Uh, yeah, for any, anyone still with us, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, John Collins would be awesome. Um, oh. Or a big man. I mean, we are like the worst rebounding team in the league as well and we just need a big man so there's a lot of great big men in the draft but uh even with drafting one 
I don't think that Isaiah Stewart is a starting center. I think that he is a guy that comes off the bench and will just whoop ass off the bench. Think like Montrez Harrell, right? He is like... I, I, I love Isaiah Stewart. I loved him at Washington. Absolutely. I thought he was drafted way too low, and I was like, oh, man, I love that guy. We, we love him, and the gif of him running, uh, trying to chase LeBron <laughs> and being held back... <laughs> underutilized okay get out there and use it because it's great um but like is he a starter you want him starting for the kings maybe not no um (laughs) and so that's that's where i'm just like you know mo bamba and something else or you know like i'm i'm pretty open honestly i i will say it is bittersweet jeremy grant took less money uh, from Detroit than he was offered at Denver because he wanted to play in Detroit. He wanted to specifically play um, for a black coach um, and a black GM. That was something that was important to him. He really likes the city of Detroit. So, and and he's been our guy, really. Like, we lost Blake Griffin. We lost Drummond. Like, that's, you know, we have Cade now, but... Before that, I mean, it was it was bleak there for a second. So it, it'll be bittersweet, and I think that he'll be bummed when he's traded because he will get a smaller role, and that is one of the reasons why he wanted to come over here. Um, but he's a good player. He's he's versatile. Um, I just think he'll add he'll add a, a level of versatility as that third or fourth best guy on a on a title contending team. You know, I don't think he's much better than that, but like, you know, Harrison Barnes was really important for those Warriors teams. He could he could kind of fill that role. Um, you know, like uh yeah, that's that's kind of where I see him. For sure. So just kinda to bring this home, kind of the same question that you asked Jordan and I about our teams. Started next season. The core of the Pistons, your ideal situation, I'm assuming is Cade, Sadiq Bay, and um so and two bigs. Okay. One of them we drafted, and one of them we got in the trade for Jeremy Grant. So let's say like uh let's say like I don't know. Any of those bigs. Really any of them. And then and then just put the draft pick at, you know, Jabari Smith would be Obviously, ideal. Um, like Paulo, for all I care, or Chet. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I see it. And then we would have a hole in the backcourt because Killian Hayes is not it. I really wouldn't be shocked if you see him um, moved at this trade deadline as well, just kind of packaged in there. Troy Weaver, he quite literally got rid of every single player on the team that was there that he did not select. Troy Weaver got the nickname Troy Reaper. He is a savage. I mean, we had 15 guys on our roster, and then all of a sudden, none of those 15 were on the roster. Um, so I, I don't feel like anyone's safe. Um, I, I'd look for Kelly Olinick, who has been very, very good this season. Um, besides Cade, he's probably, I mean, you know, and when Jeremy Grant's healthy. It's like, hey, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, and Kelly Olenek, those are the guys. Um, there are some nights when Kelly Olenek's 
the second best guy on the court. Um, last night he got player of the game in the game against the Kings. They couldn't really do anything against Kelly Olynyk, which I know sounds goofy, but um, the guy's just productive. That was like, his first game back in like 30 games or something, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, and we felt it, man. He's productive. He is smart out there. He spaces the floor a bit. Um, and he's another one where, like, I think we're paying him like 10 million or so ish, right? 12 million, maybe. And that's another one where, like, there's got to be a team with title aspirations that has one bad contract around the $10 million range that that would want a guy like that, you know? Um, think about, like, the Suns last year, how badly the Suns could have used him. Obviously, they filled that hole um, this offseason, but I don't know. I just think that, that guys like that could be valuable. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of guys moving um, and, and just building around Caden Sadiq and our – Hopefully number two draft pick. Maybe number one even. Back to back number one. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh all right. I'd be insufferable. Right, I got I got one last question before we move into shot call over the week. Do any of us think that out of the three teams we've talked about tonight, Ben Simmons is gonna end up on one of those rosters? I'll start with you, Jordan. No. Fair. Kyle? Yes, I think he goes to the Kings. Mm, I legitimately think I, he goes to the Kings. I'm I, like, I, I actually I think it. it. I can't see it because Daryl Morey's a bastard, and he has spent so much time. I think he has his idea. He has his. He knows what he wants, and I think he's overvaluing Ben Simmons and what he should realist, realistically get for him. But I think he's going to hold out some way and keep Ben Simmons, maybe trade him in this offseason. There's been a lot of talk about James Harden coming to play in Philadelphia. I And I don't think the Kings are going to give up what anywhere near what Daryl Morey thinks he should be getting. So I'm going to say no. I'll be pleasantly surprised, though. Yeah. If he is, then doesn't have himself. I could see, like, even a three-team trade or something. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Oh, but... I've, seen, I've seen some wild uh, I know, Philly... I know, but, like, Philly Pacers Kings three team trades that I've just been like. There you go. Take take the all for it. take the good players now from Indy, send them over to Philly, take Ben Simmons and take them to the Kings, and then have the Kings send some draft picks and young assets to Philly. See, here's where that doesn't work though. There's been reports where, I mean, not even Demontis Sabonis is getting the needle to move it all for Philly. So mm. I don't know how three team well, that's why, Pacers. That's yeah. why he. Uh, that's why he goes to Sacramento. Ben Simmons Ooh. goes to goes to Indiana. I'd be and so then, uh, happy with that. To be completely honest, I've been I've been talent. I've been on board. I've been on board for the Ben Simmons to the Pacers trade forever. But I don't think I I'm I'm with Kyle in the sense that I think if it does happen, he goes to the Kings. Um, mm-hmm. But Jordan, I think I'm with you in the sense that I don't think it actually happens. Um, I, I, I think I'm in line with you. I think Daryl Morey is just, he is just being a complete jackass about this whole thing at this point and is wanting way too much for Ben Simmons when plenty of great offers have been lobbed their way at this point. Yeah. And what's crazy is like the King's best offer is De'Aaron Fox and whatever. Right. But De'Aaron Fox is their best offer. 
They weren't interested. The Pacers' best offer is Sabonis. Not interested. The Pistons' best offer, the Jeremy Grant, Kelly Olenek, first-round pick, and Sadiq Bey. Not interested. So uh, I guess if you're looking at it through that lens, like we've kind of exhausted our best offers, and they weren't interested. But I just feel like there's got to be something. There's got to be something that, that budges. If the Kings truly offered De'Aaron Fox, and it wouldn't just be De'Aaron Fox, it would be De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and a draft pick for um, for Ben Simmons. And if Philly truly would turn something like that down, some variation of it, Philly has no interest in trading Ben Simmons at this yeah, point, yeah. at this stage. I mean, I don't really know what they're holding out for. I really do view Ben Simmons as like a Draymond Green right now. That's like the only way I think of him. And like when I think of him like that, I think that's appealing. And I'm like, yeah, you could be like uh like uh, you know, a guy that facilitates the ball and then sets screens and then does like, you know, some lobs and stuff like that. Doesn't play a huge role on offense besides like setting up and facilitating and then plays a huge role on defense. That's exactly what Traymond Green is. And that is super valuable. Um I don't know if you trade like your best player on your team as a point guard for that Draymond Green player, but you know, there's I think there's value there. Yeah, I mean, I'd be interested in seeing if the Kings manage to somehow get Ben Simmons without offering Fox, and they just offer you know multiple draft picks, Davion Mitchell or Harrison Barnes, Buddy Hield, whatever the Sixers want. It would be curious to see how a player like Ben Simmons fits specifically with De'Aaron Fox on the court. I think it's kind of clunky, but I think it is absolutely just a talent infusion that, like, I wouldn't care. I think you just do it. But that's part of me would not be surprised if the Kings did offer De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons um, just because I think his natural fit with Tyrese Halliburton makes more sense than with De'Aaron Fox. Um, Halliburton has that floor spacer, secondary ball handler, Playing the pick and roll, even using um, Ben Simmons in the pick and roll as the screener. Like, there are so many layers I think that would make sense. Where if they did offer De'Aaron Fox, I don't think I would be, you know, excited about it. Like, I wouldn't be, you know, running, oh my God, who have Ben Simmons, but I would understand it. It would make sense. Yeah, they would never, if they had Fox and Simmons, they could never run like a half court set, like ever. If you're, if, <laughs> yeah, if you it, don't get, if you don't get the fast break, just like, yeah neither of those guys being shooters makes that really clunky but um yeah i don't know man yeah it'll definitely definitely be interesting to watch over the coming weeks as we get closer and closer to deadline time but that is all i've got for our meeting of the deadline seller minds fellas is there anything that we may have missed before we get into shot caller of the week that you can think of i think we covered it sweet well, then let's get right into it. Before we get out of here today, let's get you set in with uh, everybody's favorite pastime, the Shot Caller of the Week. And uh, Jordan, as the guest on our show, let everybody know who you think is just killing it this week. All right. I'm, I'm going to move away from basketball for a minute. Like I said, the season's been really depressing for me. <laughs> you guys watching the Book of Boba Fett? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
I haven't started it yet. I'm like, I'm embarrassed to say it. Oh, I, oh, I know. Girl. I, I know. I know. I literally, I wore Mandalorian socks yesterday and I didn't, I felt like a poser. Mm, yeah. Poser. Total poser. Yeah, Anyways. Poser. Yeah, yeah. So I, I've, Joe, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I know we talked about this a little bit before the pod. I, yeah. It has been slow and I know there are a lot of critiques about the production, how everything's looked. I personally think it's about to pick up after this week's episode, just because of what yeah. happens without spoiling anything. Um, I have enjoyed it, but I can definitely see why there have been some critiques about what's been going on. <laughs> where, yeah, what, where, are you, well where are you sitting with it? Where well, are you sitting with it? Well, well Kyle, Kyle knows how big of a Star Wars fan I am and how yeah. I have a lot of strong opinions about Star Wars and you know, whatnot. I was pretty excited for the book of both of it. Uh, yeah, it's been underwhelming. I would say slightly underwhelming. There's been some good episodes. It has, you know, been some bad episodes i would say um have a lot of thoughts that's a whole other podcast but yeah. my shot caller of the week is black chrysanthemum the wookie bounty hunter from the book of boba fett <laughs> the ex gladiator bro the the ex gladiator has been an absolute has really been my favorite part of the show which for you know a character with no spoken lines in english in the entire show being the bright spot i think you can kind of say okay well maybe well might say something about the show but uh he, he's been he's been my shock he's the shock color of the week he had a great scene this past episode kyle hasn't seen him i don't want to talk too much about it but yeah. every every episode he's in you know it's it's a lot of fun you might say he's got an arm up on the competition this week oh he yeah he's <laughs> <laughs> he's got an arm up yeah. i don't get the reference but i love it <laughs> Kyle, start uh, this show, damn it. I'm all, right. You. all right, all right. So the, so we're get, we got Black Chrysanthemum from Book of Boba Fett. Kyle, who do you have for Shot Caller of the Week this week? Um, I have no Star Wars characters, unfortunately, and um, mine is it's not Meek Milligan. It is Pau Gasol uh, for just being a good dude. A uh, lot of Lakers hate on this podcast. My, uh, my hate to see it was... It was Russell Westbrook. I didn't do it, but my hate to see it was Russell Westbrook because we always talk bad about the Lakers. Um, but two good things about the Lakers this week. Pagasol, you're the shot caller of the week. Uh, wishing happy birthday yesterday to Natalia Bryant and, and just being an absolute sweetheart um, and just like, just being a, a good dude. I don't know. I just, I feel like his role um, in the whole Natalia Bryant thing uh, not to get too into it, has just been a good dude, and so kudos to him. Shot yeah. call like an asshole. <laughs> he He's not a Wookiee hunt. Him. He doesn't hunt Wookies, unfortunately. <laughs> he does this to I'm me every dick. week. He hits the he hits the sentimental ones, and I'm just like, damn it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so uh, so for me this week, I've got a, I've got kind of I've got two shot collars, but it's for the same thing. Um, Jordan, uh, you may or may not know we are we are big Minnesota Timberwolves fans. Uh, oh, Kyle yeah. and I we we haven't done a Wolves watch in a minute. We might have to get in. We might have to do one here short er, soon in an upcoming episode. But we love the Minnesota Timberwolves. But the thing about the Twin Cities is that they have another basketball team in the WNBA, the Minnesota Lynx, that 
for the better part of the last decade, they they were a powerhouse in the Western Conference. And uh, I just learned this today. Simone Augustus and Maya Moore are both getting inducted into the Minnesota Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, and I'm I'll not going to go over the yeah I'm not going to go over their individual accolades because um, that would be probably ten minutes if I were to go through each of them. But for those who don't know, um, Simone Augustus and Maya Moore they basically as a duo uh, took the links to uh, it was six WNBA finals, winning four of them. Basically, they won every other year from 2011 to 2017. They won three straight Western Conference championships from 2011 to 2013 and basically turned the links into one of the WNBA premier franchises, uh, really one of the dynasties uh, of the WNBA next to like the Houston Comets um, and the ongoing Seattle Storm. So just wanted to give them a shout-out because uh, they were truly a dynamic duo uh, for Minnesota, so it, it's sick to see them getting their due from the state of Minnesota. So shout out to them. Hell yeah, I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. love it. Well, that that is gonna do it for this week's edition of the Shot Callers. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us. If you if you got anything to plug for the people, where can they find you? What you do and what you got going on? No, I have nothing to plug. <laughs> <laughs> you can absolutely. I don't know if you guys want to follow me on Twitter. I just mostly just tweet mostly about basketball and star wars only two things i like um you can follow me on twitter just my handles just j m b h a n j i and you can see all my shitty takes about everything right over there hell yeah man well thank you again so much for joining us tonight it was an absolute pleasure and guys we will see you next week how you got anything for the people before we're out of here that's it appreciate it Take care, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Shot Callers. Make sure to subscribe to the 48 Minutes Network wherever you're listening to your podcast and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing. Also, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter over at 48 Minutes Network. I'm going to stop and give you all the love I can.